When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. say everything can be replaced, yet every distance is not near. So I remember every face of every man who put me here. I see my light come shining from the west unto the east. Any day now, any day now, I shall be released. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly, and I am honored to have as my guest this week to talk about one of Bob Dylan's most enduring classics, I Shall Be Released from the Basement Tapes, the legendary J.M. Demetrius. Hello, J.M. Hey, how you doing? I am doing great. Like I said, I am just so thrilled to have you on. I have, as you know, as anyone knows who's listening to this, I have been reading your comic books since I was a kid. I don't mean to make you feel old, but That's I've been okay. reading since no, I, I was started a kid. Work, I started working on comics when I was five, so it really <laughs> Which would Perfect. still make me old. <laughs> you had quite a command of grammar back then, I have to say. I know. I was, I was a bit of a prodigy. <laughs> so, I couldn't do much of anything else, but I was just great with the writing of comics. You know? <laughs> so, so yeah. And, of course, you know, I know that you are a fan of Bob Dylan and you've been a fan for a long time. And so I thought this was – I love it when I get to uh, cross-pollinate the worlds of comic books and Bob Dylan. I've been fortunate to have some other comic book people on the show who are fans of Bob Dylan. So this is just – such a huge thrill, and of course, this is, as I said, it's one of Bob Dylan's most enduring songs. Uh, again, recorded from during the Basement Tape sessions in 1967 and 1968. But before we get to that song, JM, since this is the first time on the show, I have to ask you, like, how did you become a fan? I mean, you were like a kid when he was when he hit it in the 60s. So you were yeah, kind of at ground you know, zero, it, right? It's yeah, it's funny thinking of that that question is dylan in a lot of ways is one of those people that's just always been there you know radio in the 60s when i was a kid you turn on the radio you would get the beatles you'd get the beach boys you'd get all this great motown stuff suddenly dean martin or frank sinatra would pop up and then bob dylan would pop up you know <laughs> it was there was it was a really broad spectrum of music and what's interesting is it was all kind of presented equally you know, Dean Martin singing Everybody Loves Somebody Sometime uh, uh, right next to like a Rolling Stone. Mm. It's fascinating. you know, And and it's it's something that I think our culture has lost as we've gotten more and more niche, 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 you know. Um, oh, I can't imagine in, in that. Every nowadays, way. Yeah. You know, because now, you know, that sort of broad based entertainment that the Beatles could go on the Ed Sullivan show and and the vast majority of the country that owned television sets would be watching it at the same time, whatever it was, 70% of all TV sets or some crazy figure, yeah, um, yeah. doesn't happen. So Dylan was just there, you know, and um, it wasn't like I was a Dylan fanatic or anything, but, you know, Dylan just was Dylan and the music was great and you respected it and you listened to it and you sang it. And it was just, he was just one of those things that was just always there. I didn't have a connection to Dylan in the same way that I have a connection to the Beatles. You know, Beatles fans, they're not just in, invested in the music. They're invested in the individual people and personalities, you know, John people and Paul people and George people and all that stuff. Whereas Dylan, I've always felt it was more about the music for me than it was about the man. That Dylan's mm. music just kind of stands out there with a life of its own, whereas like I think about John Lennon, who probably is to me what Dylan is to you, I cannot mm. separate the human being from the music, 
You know, I just can't. Right. Whereas Dylan, I've always felt the music stands on its own, you know, and and, you know, as the years go by and as I, as I get older and, the, and, and listen and re-listen to this music, you know, it's this is a guy who is one of just one of the greatest uh, American songwriters who'd ever lived. You know, and it, it's I have a I have a big Dylan, you know, best of Dylan playlist in my in my iTunes. Well, now I've now it's in Spotify. <laughs> it used to be iTunes. Now it's everything. Even that's streaming. It's on Spotify. And it's just it's extraordinary just how much amazing music is there. And the other thing, if I can blather a little bit more that I find Thank interesting you. about Dylan's music is that just as I said, I can't separate, say, with John Lennon or even the Beatles, their music from the personalities. And I always feel like when someone else does one of the songs, it's, it, it can never quite measure up. Dylan's music is so open to interpretation from other people. The, mm-hmm. the songs just kind of go out there, and so many different people take them, bend them, and twist them one way or the other, and the songs kind of still stand that way. Um, so again, for me, it's there's a separation between the guy and 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 the songs that he's created. And the la- the last thing I'll say is that I've only seen him in concert once. I was just about to ask you if you had. I was a teenager, and I was lucky enough to get tickets to the concert for Bangladesh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> Rock and roll history, you know? And I was at, there were two shows. There was an afternoon and evening show. I was at the afternoon show. And like I said, I was, you know, I always respected, liked Dylan, but I was never a hardcore, like, oh, my God, Dylan fan in that sense. And he came out and did such a phenomenal set. And, you know, Madison Square Garden, it's what, 10,000 people or something like that. It was incredibly intimate and personal and connective. Um, it was great. It was really great. That's the only time I've ever seen him. But it was, you know, to see uh, Dylan on stage with Harrison on one side of him, Ringo on the other. You know, I think, <laughs> I think Leon Russell was playing bass or something. I was, it was yep, yep. crazy. Crazy. You got the, right, and you got to see some Beatles mixed in. Yeah, I know. everything you it's like in one spot. And Eric Clapton, man. I mean, it was just—it was extraordinary. Yeah, it really, really was. Um, wow. So that, yeah, but that performance really, really impressed me. Really impressed me. Uh, what a what a concert to have seen. If you're going to see one Dylan concert, like that's <laughs> this yeah. historic show. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned about the interpretations, and we'll get into this uh, near the end of the show about the list of people that have covered this song is like a phone book. Uh, I, I, I once in a while I will sort of mention covers of different versions here and there. I generally stay away from them because I try and focus on the the work from Bob himself. But the list of how many people have covered I Shall Be Released is absurd in its length, which, again, it underscores its sort of anthemic status of what it is. And this song is so seemingly simple. I mean, it's only three verses. Oh, and um, it's like it, it's G, A minor, B minor, A minor, G. That's the song. See now, well, okay, no, this is perfect time because we'll we'll talk about this too at the end. But I, I've said on the show, I don't know anything about music. I don't know anything about chords or anything like that. So, but you obviously do because you have played this song live, which is again, we will get to that in a little bit. So, but I mean, in terms of the the musicality, uh, you find that to be a, what is that like a very simple sort of chord structure? Incredibly simple, but you know, um, that's the thing. Simplicity is in any art is the hardest thing to achieve. You know, just because something has, you know, a dozen complex chords doesn't mean it's a great song. And just because something has three chords doesn't mean it's a bad song, you know. Um, And I, you know, I as 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 a as a creator and as an artist, I like things that are direct and personal and cut to the core, you know. And a song like this is exactly that. It's very direct, even though it's universal. And those are the great things. Also, the great songs that manage to be both universal and feel very intimate and personal. 
Um, and, and this song is one of those, you know, the, if, if I had a runner up here, it would be knocking on heaven's door, which is another song that I've played God, hundreds and hundreds of times probably over the years, wow. you know, and, um, you know, it's funny to talk about interpretations, uh, years ago when I played publicly more and I used to play knocking on heaven's door a lot. And I remember my friend had a son, he was probably 10 or 12 at the time. And someone had done a cover version uh, of knocking on heaven's door and he freaked out cause he thought I'd written it. <laughs> and someone had stolen my song and because he heard me play so many times because I play, you know, most of my stuff that I play is original, but I would mix in these Dylan tracks, you know. Um, and he was like, oh, my God, they stole his song. His mother had to explain that. No, they didn't. They said someone else wrote that. Writer of Doctor Strange, The Defenders, and also the composer That's of right. Knocking on Evan's Door. Right. That's wow. right. Wow. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, this this song is so sort of again it's basic and it's words i mean the basement tape songs of course can be incredibly uh dense and weird and sort of obtuse but this is very very straightforward and i quoted the uh, the opening verse and then the second verse is they say every man needs protection they say every man must fall yet i swear i see my reflection someplace so high above this wall yeah i see my light come shining from the west into these any day now any day now i shall be released and it's you know it's funny i mean there's been a lot of writing on the basement tapes of how they were done but i don't think i did a little bit of research on this i there's no real record of like when exactly he wrote this i mean obviously this is one he did by himself not he was not collaborating with the band but i mean a lot of those basement tape songs are kind of him and the band goofing around a lot and Mm -hmm. they're very silly Mm -hmm. i mean a lot i mean in a good way like million dollar bash or the mighty quinn quinn the eskimo and stuff like that but then you've got something like this which you know again repeats uh, underscores a lot of dylan's themes of you know personal freedom i mean of course when you when you hear the the lyrics and especially the line about um i see my reflection somewhere so high above this wall certainly seems to suggest we're talking about a prisoner a literal prisoner. Right. And, and I course, take it, I always take it to be a redemption song and it could be, you know, right. it could be, it could certainly could be a prisoner and maybe that's what was in his mind. But the universality of it to me, it's, you know, it's a song about the prison of our own souls mm. and, and the release that will come at some point, whether it's, you know, uh, could be death. It could be spiritual enlightenment. It could just be a, a release from suffering and into something better in our lives, you know? And that's, that's what I've always taken that song to be, and that's the way I've always performed it. Hmm. And he ends the, the song ends. He says, "Standing next to me in this lonely crowd is a man who swears he's not to blame. All day long, I hear him shout so loud, crying out that he's been framed. I see right. my light come shining from the west into the east. Any day now, any day now, I shall be released." So I'm going to ask you, when did you? Because obviously, the, actually, the, the first version anyone heard of this song was from the band. It was not from Bob Dylan. It was first released on the band's album, Music from Big Pink. Which That's right. The, and you know what? Tips. I was trying to think about when did I first hear this? Because it's almost like this song for me just appeared in the ethers. And this is I remember being back in the 70s because I played in a lot of bands and I used to play solo as well. And I still on very rare occasions will do that. Um, and. And I remember being in the basement, speaking of the basement tapes, where we rehearsed, and we started messing around with I Shall Be Released. And it was just sort of like it was in the ethers and we pulled it down. But now that you mentioned the band, I'm sure that the very first place I heard that song and knew it from was uh, music from Big Pink, because I absolutely knew that album and I'll probably owned that album 
And uh, and that's got to be. And now when you think about it, I hear that that falsetto vocal, you know, um, right. Richard Manuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I'm sure that's where I first heard it. But but the joke was, as I was thinking about it, I said, I don't really remember hearing it for the, for the first time until you mentioned that. And that's because it was just one of those songs. And then as soon as I had never played it before, but it's one of those songs that as soon as we played it, it was like, this is a great song. And I've been mm-hmm. playing it ever since. <laughs> Yeah, Bob Dylan's version, actually, the first version anybody ever heard from him was actually on his greatest hits record from volume two from 1971, where he completely redid it with uh, he was accompanied by the the folk musician Happy Traum. I mm-hmm. believe is, I don't know how you say Traum or Traum or how you say his last name. Um, but but Bob recorded a couple of basement tape songs and threw them on greatest hits volume two. And so the ver- that's the version that that anyone first heard from him, which is a very. It's just sim- just him on the guitar. Simple one, right? It's with just the, just the little extra little guitar fills and things yep. in there, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. version. Yeah, it's just that one. And then even the, surprisingly, uh, the version that Bob Dylan did himself was not even on the basement tapes that came out in 1975. They didn't they didn't put it on there. It didn't get released until the the bootleg series in the 90s, which is, seems amazing to me considering yeah. how famous this song became. And yet, really, the only Dylan version anybody ever knew. Was the, the the sort of off one from not the off not in a bad way but like just not the band one or not the basement tapes one from Greatest Hits? It's, it's sort of remarkable how this stuff still made it out into the ether. Well, that's uh, that's what I mean. It. It's like it was just out there. You know what I mean? It flew out of his head and went into the ethers, and we all just sort of absorbed it. You know. Uh, he brought it out uh, when he performed with the band on The Last Waltz, that mm-hmm. final concert. Mm-hmm. That's and right. He, that's one of the songs that sings. And the lineup, you can go find uh, this version on YouTube. And the, the lineup with this is ridiculous because you've got Bob Dylan singing lead with the band, plus Ringo Starr, right, right. Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Van Morrison, Eric Clapton, Ron Wood, and Neil Diamond, which is you're never going to have all those names right. in one place right. together. Right. And it's, it's a great it's version. It's so weird too. that Neil Diamond is in there. You know, it's just yeah. it's not, you wouldn't expect that. But yeah, how yeah. amazing. How amazing. <laughs> um, and uh, Chrissy Hind uh, covered it at the 30th anniversary tribute concert to Bob Dylan, which I have mentioned that I was at. Uh, regarding the, the other the basement tapes when he did this, I mean, the basement tapes, they sort of flitted back and forth between originals and covers. And obviously, I think a lot of prison songs were on Bob's mind during the basement because mm-hmm. he he covered um, Johnny Cash's Folsom Prison Blues, The Banks of the Royal Canal, which are both about people being imprisoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, I love that he transmogrifies what, again, could be if you really get and want to take it straightforward, a prison song into, as you said, a song of personal release. You know, yeah. what, what, it yeah. doesn't know where it's coming from. But, I mean, the final verse certainly seems to suggest we're talking about a guy in prison. Are you standing next to me in this lonely crowd is a man who swears he's not to blame. Well, that sounds like a guy saying, I didn't do it. Right. Whatever and it I, is, I didn't I do it. I always think about it is that we're all walking around with our burdens and with our sins, which are sometimes mm. imagined sins. You know what I mean? Uh, our guilt, our shame, all these things that we carry through life, you know, that we want to toss off and be released from. What's funny is you're absolutely right. Obviously, that's a prison metaphor. Never even crossed my mind in all these years. <laughs> I always saw it in in terms of, in a spiritual or psychological and spiritual term, especially in a spiritual term, you know. So it's interesting that you bring that up because now you've enlightened me in a new way. Well, there we go. I mean, I know that while he was recording the basement tapes, Bob had apparently in his uh, in like the the foyer of his house, a, a an old wood stand with a Bible on it, 
like a mm-hmm. huge ornate Bible, you know, one of those like super deluxe ones with, you know, like gilded edge pages. And apparently uh, people would come into his house, I guess other members of the band or whatever, and they would see that he had clearly been flipping through it because it was dog-eared. And I think they've even said that it was like there was notation. So, I mean, yes, obviously, again, if you just want to take it on a literal sense, this is about a guy in prison waiting to be released. There on the basic level, there it is. But then, again, when you know that he is... And so much of Dylan's work is infused with quotes from the Bible, passages right. from the Bible. You can't help but think, hear that here, that yes, it is a – and that's, that's what's given it that anthemic status is that you can take it uh, any way you want. You know, I mean you really can take it as, OK, this is my personal – I never – you like you just said, James, I never really thought about – that someone saying uh, standing next to me in this lonely crowd as a man who swears he's not to blame is someone not out of prison. Is someone talking about just their burden of their life? The prison, I never really prison, thought of it. Right, right. Cause you know, it's from a spiritual perspective, right? We're all in some kind of prison and we're all seeking to get out and break free of that and, and, and move to that next, that next stage. I'll tell you a sweet short story um, about this song and me. Um, since we're talking about the spiritual aspect of this song, along with my, my musician out in the world thing for, for many years, since I'm a teenager, actually I've been, and I hate the word follower. It's a terrible word because it brings up the wrong, the wrong images, but a follower of an Indian spiritual master named Meher Baba. And I've been to India a number of times to go on pilgrimage to his tomb shrine there. And one of the things they do at, at, at Baba's tomb is in the morning and the evening when they do morning and evening prayers. And then they pass the guitar around. And people who who feel like it sing a song or two, you know. So I will always sing something up there. And one of my favorite memories, this has got to be back in the 80s, is sitting on this hill in India just outside this tomb with this group of people. And the sun is setting and singing I Shall Be Released. And all, wow. these other, all these other voices joining in. You know, just pick, you know, Hill in India, a great master's tomb, sunset, and all these voices raised, sing and I shall be released. It's, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's extraordinary. That's, it, again, it's, I'm always amazed at how much his work has covered the globe. I mean, mm-hmm. people have, I mean like, you know, we know that he does concerts in, in countries where they don't speak English. And yet, you know, it's not like... They know the work. They know the songs. It's not like he's out there interpreting them on stage. He's right. singing in English. Right. That's that's amazing. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> from the, I mean, from the west down to the east. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right See, there. talk about universal. Yeah, that is unbelievable. I, I mentioned earlier about how many covers there's been of the songs and and of the song, and it's just. It's insane. Uh, what I said, I was looking here on Wikipedia and it says this, <laughs> I shall be released. This is a long list, but bear with me, everybody. I shall be released has been covered by the Young Bloods, the Earl Scruggs Review, Jeff Buckley, the Marmalade, Joan Baez, of course, Peter Paul and Mary, Son Ara, Joe Cocker, the Tremolos, Bette Midler, the Box wow. Tops, the Birds, Ricky Nelson, Aaron Neville, Melissa Etheridge, Coheed and Cambria, Tom Robinson Band, Nina Simone, the Slackers, the Heptones, Paul Weller, Jerry Garcia Band, Sting, the Deftones, the Hollies, the Trinitones, Pearls Before Swine, OK Go, Beth Rowley, Ken Lazarus, Big Mama Thornton, Chatham County Line, the Flying Burrito Brothers, Jack Johnson, Government Mule, Martin Harley, Kiosk, Dino McGartland, James Blundell, Miriam McCaba, wow. ba- Maz, Mahotel of Queens, we're almost done, Jacob Miller, Bobby McFerrin, The Black Oak, Arkansas, Marion Williams, Lena Lynn, Wilco, Jack Johnson, Lisa Loeb, Zach Brown Band, Keisha, 
Half Moon Run, Greta Van Fleet, and Elvis Presley. Wow. It's like so many genres, so many <laughs> different types. You know, the only ones missing from the list is like Frank Sinatra. You know? I, yeah, I mean, that is just – I again, it's it's that's such an amazing thing to be able to – you can write this song again. It's only three verses. Uh, like you, you mentioned Knocking on Heaven's Door. It's like that's only two verses or like mm-hmm. Forever Young, another one of those that it's got this just incre- – it seems like it's always existed. Uh, that song like that, and yet it's it's so simple. But I mean, to have that many people cover it, and I'm sure Bob must have been thrilled that Elvis Presley covered it because we know what he is a fan of Elvis. I mean, that had to be such a thrill. But just that is just astounding that that many people could see something in that and yes. say, "I want to bring something to it. I'm going to bring something to it that these other." You know, 47 musicians haven't done. That's remarkable. Well, that list has so many styles and genres and even cultures, you know, on it. Yeah. It's really pretty amazing. Miriam McCaba? I yeah. Mean, my yeah. So now you you mentioned you've you've sung, you've sang this yourself live. You sent me a video of you. And it was so funny because everybody like JM sent me this file and I didn't know what it was. I'll, I'll watch this. And then I, I open it up and I'm like, wait. That's that's him. That's him doing it. I mean, what what was the context for the, the well, video you sent me of you singing it? Well, what's funny is, you know, I have not really performed in a really, really, really long time. And I mentioned Mayor Baba. And in Asheville, Carol, uh, North Carolina, every year they do a Mayor Baba music festival. So, you know, people in that community know my music. And they invited me to come uh, perform at the festival last year. First time I played in front of a big crowd in years and years and years. And I was like a complete neurotic mess <laughs> but that's part of the process you know what i mean yep. you get all anxious and you wind up and you wind up and you wind up and then all that energy just explodes out when you perform and so um as i often do at one i did like an hour set it's just me and my guitar wow and i and i ended with i shall be released uh that was the that was the final song uh you know you can, how do you top that right um so that's what i sent you was the the final song from my set from last august Wow, that is that's amazing. I, 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 this is the limits of my performing is being behind this microphone in my room here as opposed to being in front of a crowd. That's amazing. Uh, that you have the to do a whole hour. That's yeah. It was it was great. You know, it was it was very intimidating only because you know back in the days when I was in bands, we used to play all the time. You know, it'd be uh, you know every week, three nights a week, you'd be out or whatever. You know, performing. But it's it's been a long time, so it was really I spent like months just sort of. Uh, I, I I tend to these days, even though the guitar was always my instrument, I tend to work on the piano these days because I still write songs and I still play. So I had to sort of get my guitar out and get to know my old friend a little bit, you know. So mm-hmm. I spent a few months just getting getting uh, getting reacquainted with my guitar, and then you know which songs I want to do and playing with that and building that up, and then uh, and then finally doing the show, which was just a blast, you know. To, wow. to and then, like I said, what 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 a perfect ending! I shall be released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I went through your. I mean, anyone who has written as many stories and and uh, comics as you have, obviously, you have to come up with a whole ton of uh, titles for your stories. And mm-hmm. I went through your history, uh, looking through all of your the stories you've written in comics, and started looking at, at titles because you know it's. I I, I use. Uh, 
I've used this phrase on other shows, right? And I should probably come up with a better, uh, better term. I call them landmines, but I really need to come up with something better because landmines are awful. But there's something <laughs> where, something where, you know, before I kind of knew Bob Dylan, I mean, I was always aware of him. Right. Uh, obviously, growing up, I wasn't a fan as a kid. But how could you not know? I mean, he's like right. furniture. You know, he's just maybe there. breadcrumbs is better than a landmine, huh? Breadcrumbs. There you go. That's a much. See, there you go. I come to you for these things. I can't. I mean, breadcrumbs is much better. Um, but I went through your your stories, and of course now I really that you have used a couple of Bob Dylan tunes for story titles. Really? That... So I, remind me because I don't remember. Okay. Well, I, I got him here. because so, so House of Mystery number 287. That's like the very beginning of my <laughs> very career. Very beginning probably. of your career. There's a story called Forever Young. Wow. Uh, now, okay, I mean, that's, yeah. that was a phrase in the culture, but Bob Dylan really made right, it sort right. of famous. So there you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. And then the other one uh, was from Marvel Team Up number 122, A Simple Twist of Fate. Uh, which starred Spider-Man and Man-Thing, which is definitely the only time Bob Dylan and Man-Thing can be <laughs> mentioned in the same sentence. That's right. Well, Simple Twist of Fate, that's from Blood on the Tracks. Uh, right. And right, that is right. my absolute favorite Dylan album. I was about to ask you what your favorite Dylan album absolutely, was. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of those albums that I love. You know, when I talk about you know just always appreciating Dylan's music but not being like – that deeply connected to Dylan on a personal level. Blood on the Tracks is one of those albums that I connected with really deeply. Love mm-hmm. that album. The simplicity, the honesty, the the emotion in that album. Uh, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. I, I love and adore that album. You know, a lot of the albums of his that that I like too are, are not necessarily the ones that everyone always. Uh, holds up as as beautiful examples of Dylan at his greatest. Like I love New Morning. That's another album okay. that I really really love. And there's a f- few others scattered in there like that. The, the sort of the, the some of the albums that are in the shadows. You know. Do you have Tempest? Tempest. I don't. That's from think 2012. So. Probably lit- not. Probably the last song on that is called Roll On John, and it's all about. Oh, John I know Lennon. that song though. Yes. I okay. Gotcha. Know that song. Right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. figured you would. Yeah, I figured it was like if you didn't know about that, I got to tell you about that because you figured you'd like that one. But it's sort of funny that you mentioned again in, in the uh, House of Mystery, you've got Forever Young, and he uses uh, a similar turn of phrase in both Forever Young and this song, where again in the second verse he says, "I see my light." Come shining from the west end to the east, and then in Forever Young, he talks about may the lights surrounding you. Right, he talks about the, and that's a big thing for him is the, the the motif of the light of you know again whether it's you know a literal light or sort of just metaphorical deliverance kind of thing. But he uses that a lot, and again, it's 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 basic, it's simple. I mean, Bob Dylan has certainly written a lot of very complex songs, but then other times when he strips it way down. And makes it very simple. It can be obviously incredibly powerful because yes. the song is it, it, there's there's no real super clever turn of phrase in "I right. Shall Be Released," right? But it's just there's something so just basic and iconic about it. You know, and it reminds me of some of John Lennon's solo music, and the, the same thing exactly what you're saying. If you listen to Lennon's first solo album, John Lennon Plastic Ono Band, which is I think one of the greatest albums ever made, it's like piano, bass, drums, voice, and that's basically it. The songs are so stripped down at a time when rock wasn't really very stripped down, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. Really prog rock simple, was big at the time. Yeah. Really from the heart, you know, if not more from that's like he's ripping his heart out and bleeding onto the tracks, you know? Um, so I, I really respond to music like that, which is probably why I respond to those songs. Um, I will say, though, my, if I had to pick my third favorite Dylan song, I know we're <laughs> only supposed to talk about one. No, 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 no. But this, and this goes back to when I was like probably, I don't know when it came out. I was probably 12 or 13 or something, which is um, Positively Fourth Street. 
mm-hmm. which is the exact opposite of these songs. So it's just yeah. nasty, nasty <laughs> little song. But it's one of the great nasty songs ever made. You know, it, what I mean? it absolutely and it has is. the the greatest last lines. You know, I wish that just for one this one time you could stand inside my shoes and just with that one moment I could be you. You'd know what a drag it is to see you. I mean, it's just it's, <laughs> and, and it's it's. From that period, you know, that's with that great, I guess it's Al Cooper on the organ and, yep. and that, that great band that he had and that wonderful same like a Rolling Stone kind of sound to it. But I've always, always loved that song and I've loved the sort of gleeful nastiness of it. Like, oh, it was yeah. the total opposite of, of these songs like Knocked on Heaven's Door and, and I Should Be Released that have this deep spiritual quality to them, you know? Yeah. Um, I shall, in terms of uh, live performances, Bob has performed I Shall Be Released live 491 times uh which again to people uh maybe of an untrained ear that sounds like a lot but it really isn't when you think that the song is 50 years old at this point right. and it is so famous so it is not a song that he pulls out a lot he didn't actually perform it live for the first time until 1975 wow. so it, it sat kind of off for a while and then he played it a lot during the rolling thunder review the recent uh, the uh, bootleg series release came out. You can hear a lot of versions of that. He last did it in 2008. So it's just not a song he does a whole lot, uh, which is I've never heard him do it live as far as I can recall. And so it's kind of a shame. I mean, it's it's sort of amazing to think that he has this reservoir of material that is deeper than anybody. I mean, I guess maybe Paul McCartney would be the only person right. uh, that, right. to that level, how much material they have to draw upon. Right. Uh, but yeah, so this is something obviously he... He pulls it out every once in a while, but doesn't. It's not something that's uh, seemingly like regular, regularly in his uh, in his repertoire, which is which is a shame. Because I would love to hear him do it. What that would sound like now? Yeah, yeah. And he's still out there touring, right? He's, still out. I just saw him this year, or 2019. Wow. Yeah, he's still out there. Seventy eight year old man out there on the out there on the board. Yeah, so. about McCartney, the two of them. Like the, the, it's it's extraordinary to me. These guys in their late seventies, and they're out there. You know, McCartney does a three-hour show. <laughs> I couldn't do a three-hour show. That, yeah, yeah, that one hour that I told you that I did, man, I wanted, I needed to collapse when I right. was done. Yeah. You know? My goodness. Um, so, so yeah, I've said I should be released. It's available in a lot of different formats. Again, you can get it on Greatest Hits Volume 2. You can get it on the Bootleg Series. There's the band version. Again, there's as I listed, there's hundreds of versions and you can check out the one uh, from the last waltz on youtube which is really fun especially if you know kind of the backstory of the last waltz of how bob didn't want to almost at the last minute didn't want to perform and uh martin scorsese had a heart attack because he was like that you're gonna be the end of my show the end of my movie and what are you talking about and luckily bob changed his mind and we got this amazing performance so uh, Jam, thank you so, so much for doing this. I have been reading your, your stuff for so long and, uh, we've been talking about doing this for a really long time and I'm finally glad we got the chance to do it. It's just a real honor that you would do the show. I really oh, appreciate it's, it. It's an absolute pleasure. And it's nice to, uh, talk about music for a change and not just comic books. You know? I, yeah, I think, you know, that that's sort of something I've learned about people that are, uh, very creative in one field or one sort of endeavor. They love talking about being creative or what they love in another thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, so I figured that was it was perfect. I love having comic. As I said, I love having comic people on the show because it's just it's a great way to cross pollinate the world. So why don't they? Why don't you tell people where they can find you online? You can find me at my website jamdmateus.com, on Twitter uh, at jamdmateus, on Facebook, same thing, and uh, I guess that about covers it. 
All right. Covers said, it. We'll have, yeah. Absolutely. We'll have that link in the show notes again. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, if you want to follow the show, go to the website, firewaterpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show on Spotify and on Stitcher. Again, we are really burning it up on Spotify. So thanks, everybody, for that. Uh, of course, we can uh, follow the uh, show. And we're always talking to Bob Dylan over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. And you can support the Fire Water Podcast Network by going to Patreon slash FW Podcasts. And one of the rewards you can unlock is to be name-checked on a show of your choice so i have to special thanks to robert ward and another uh donor who chooses to remain masked and anonymous thank you so much for your support of pod dylan so that's going to do it for this episode thanks everybody for listening we will see you later bye
Thank you.